Hey everybody, it's Tipsy Tuesday. Good evening, good evening. It's Tuesday. I wish I could say it's Thursday, also known as Friday Eve, but it's not. It's just Tuesday, and I don't know who's barely making it, but welcome. Um, Paul, that's a new name, Paul Medora. Welcome to Tipsy Tuesday, where the only rules are which I'm breaking most of them. You're supposed to be in your jammies. Number two, no bra. Number three, a glass of your favorite something in hand. Doesn't have to be alcohol. But surprise, this is bourbon. So welcome, everybody. It, hey, Holly. It is Tuesday, and uh, yeah, feels like Tuesday. Brooke just got home. She did her final tonight on her violin. Brooke, come tell everybody how good you did. I, you should take that picture down. No, it's a beautiful picture. I did survive like, the funky car. This is a Brooke. Lulu's here. Brooke, I don't think you saw it, but on the way home, I drove home with your sister and I got leprosy because her car is so disgusting. Hmm. Have you been in that car? Yeah, drive. Have it. you contributed to the disgustingness no, of the car? I feel like you have because there was bubble tea and milkshakes and smoothie how, bottles. How much stuff do you think I go through? There was actually broken pieces of the car next to under the seat mm -hmm. were pieces of the car broken off. And instead of, I guess you throw them in the trash, we, mm -hmm. we collected them and put them under the seat. So we could carry around the parts of the car that are no longer attached and put them under the seat. That's what I learned. So tell everybody how you did. Um, she did great. Oh, I learned a lesson today, which is to tell us about the lesson. Listen to um, my uh, professor. Why? What does that mean? Tell everybody. Well, well, he we had like a studio class. Which is where we play. Nobody knows what that means. It, I was going to explain it. Okay. Um, we have a studio class, which is where we play our pieces for like the other violin majors. And I did that. And it was actually better than the jury. Um, Nobody knows what a jury is. It's like a final where you play your pieces. So we went to see the jury today. And Brooke is the only one who invites her whole family. I and we that. all go and we stand in the hallway. We take pictures. Mm -hmm. But the jury is essentially like your final exam. And my professor told me for this one piece, he was like, you should bring your um, music your mom. and put it on the stand music. just in case. And I was like, okay. But Secret was like, I don't need it. Little did I know, I did she need it. it. Um, because I played it through like 10 times this morning and I was fine. And then I, um, I was saying to you, I was like, I think I was too calm today. Sorry. Um, there was nothing in my brain. Oh. Like, you know when you think about breathing and then it's hard to breathe? Or like you think about blinking and it's hard to blink. I can blink. Well, you can blink, but then you're thinking about it. I am thinking. And then it messes up. Like, then all of a sudden you're like, you're like, I don't know how to play the violin. I don't know how to blink anymore. Yeah, so. Why did they call it a jury? I don't know. We don't know. So I used to go and watch my friend Rosie, my friend Rosie, who is in the Army Field Band. I've talked about her a lot. Big fan. 
Um, I used to go to her juries, but I feel like they were in like a big auditorium and you could watch, but that might've been her senior concert. Her senior concert. Yeah. Yeah. So I know I went to that. Um, but when you are an underclassman, um, all of your finals are like performances and everybody looks real nice and is all dressed up. They did it's such a, a good job. I, that's, I'm sad that it's over because I really love this song too. Um, it's called Fantasy Number no. One for Violin and Piano by Florence Price. And she has like a huge history. Well, because she makes a lot of choir pieces, but she made a few violin songs. You should listen to it. What's it called? Tell one. everybody again. Fantasy Number no. One for Violin and Piano. And by, by who? Florence Price. But Florence Price. Is that the second one you did with the piano accompaniments? Yeah. Yeah, so beautiful. It's my favorite ever. Uh, it starts out with like um like a um like a I don't know how to explain it, but it's it's fun and then it goes into like folky and then to like a, what's it called like gospel. Um, it was beautiful. I and ja it. I was gonna post the picture. I took a picture of Jacqueline and I. You couldn't see us, Brooke, but we had our ears up in the crack of the door, just like this. So I was up high, Jacqueline's down low, and we're listening, and it was so good. Yeah, but the Bach was not good. The Bach was great. It's hard for me to connect with uh, the Bach pieces because they're so fast, and there's not much like emotion there. It's all just like technique. So for those of you that might not be as familiar with classical music, so Bach is from the Baroque period, um, and most of the music that he wrote was written for harpsichord, um, and a harpsichord was kind of like the precursor to the piano. Um, so uh, the big difference is, is that it didn't have any kind of sustaining chord, uh, sustaining pedals. So if you look at a piano, uh, there's three pedals at the bottom, I don't know if anybody ever told you what they're for, but the one on the right is to sustain. So it actually, there's like a damper that sits underneath all the strings. And when you hit the uh, sustaining um, pedal on the right, it drops it so that the strings can just continue to vibrate. Uh, and it, to your ear, it makes it so that the music is very connected right? So that they're vibrating and they kind of run into each other. It's a very kind of Wait, melodic thing. Press down. Um, sure. Um, the pedal on the left is also a dampening pedal, but a dampening pedal for the lower side of the piano. So if you are playing like a piece from the romantic period where you might be playing like 10 notes at a time, um, and you want the right hand to sing out, you would use the left pedal to uh, dampen the lower part of the piano. So say there are you know, five notes being played here and five notes being played up here, you would hear the right hand more. Okay. And then, I don't know that what you're doing is helpful, um, wait. but the pedal in the middle uh, is actually a combination of both of those. Um, both of those things. So you're gonna get sustaining across the piano and you are gonna get a dampening on the lower side of the... Look at me, right, dropping the musical things. Right. Go ahead. This is regular. And then this is what the sustain pedal. Okay, right. go ahead. Oh. 
and it just rings forever. And so uh, when you play, uh, going back now, if you were to play a piece by Bach, which was written during the Baroque period, um, you wouldn't, I love talking nerd grace, it's my favorite thing, but in uh, the music, you would never use a sustaining pedal. Like, it's a very clean sound. Um, and with that means that every mistake you make is glaringly obvious. So it is, yeah. Um, yeah. it is extremely hard to play because it is so transparent um, and just so clean. And the technique that you need in order to play like a really kind of difficult piece by Bach, um, the technique has to be there. It is. It's extremely hard to play. And then when you start to get into the classical period or the modern or uh, romantic period, there's so many notes and the sustaining is so lush that sometimes you might be hitting 10 notes, but... If one of them is wrong, you really won't hear them because you hear the other nine. So uh, she, the first piece that she played uh, was from the Baroque period. What was it by Bach? Partita number two, Giga Galanian. I'm almost positive that was not the correct pronunciation, but she tried. Uh, How do you pronounce it? I don't know. Okay. Music nerd, I understand. So yeah, uh, so it was great. She did a great job. We were so proud, Jacqueline and I. We were in the outside, we were smiling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. so I need to find a teacher for summer again. But I, I'm a, I need someone that like pushes me enough, but not too much. Uh, like definitely enough, but not too straight. It's like I, uh, like I'm very something like punch in the face, but like not hard. Yeah. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. my four-year-old grandson wanted to know what the pedal's for. He's very just, I'm going to be honest. I think I played the piano. So I've started playing piano in like third grade and I played all through almost to college. And I don't think I learned what those pedals were until like, like halfway through high school. I was like, Oh, what are these for? Uh, and it is, it's like a lot, but, but she did such a great job. Is that my shirt? This, is this my sweater? This is yours. This is the my whole shirt. The outfit's oh. mine. And today's whole outfit was mine. And this is hard for me. I'm going to be honest. It's just the sweater. No. 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 I feel like... Uh -huh. Yep. You gave me this shirt for Christmas. I didn't. I think there's a picture okay. of me holding <laughs> 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 Anyway, she did a great job. And her friend Jen was there. Who, um, I gotta go get, the cello. here, talk to everybody because my phone's gonna go dead. Hold on. She plays the cello. I love Jen. Um, she's from New York though, so her, uh, her family couldn't come and see her, which is sad, but, um, she's a really good cellist. I don't know what else to talk about. I wish I would have learned the piano. My mom put us all on piano when we were like super young, and I hated it from the beginning. Um, I like playing by ear, but as soon as you put music, I hate it. Um, what? What did you say? On the piano, I hate like reading piano music. Why? It's just too. Um, my brain hurts. 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe, well, it's just because, like, I'm used to the treble clef. So the violin is in treble clef, but the piano is in treble and bass clef. Bass, the bass clef is the left hand, the treble clef is the right hand. And, um, so I know the treble clef, but then I'm also trying to figure out, like, the bass clef on my left hand, and it's just... Well, the thing is, on the violin... Everything has a, a number, like each finger is like one, two, three, four. Okay, this does But then on the piano, it, it's all, it's like there's so many different um, algorithms and it just doesn't make sense in my head, so. I wonder if this is charging. You guys stay right here. I have to check whether this Ruby, phone is charging. What's he doing? This is, yeah. Hold on. So everybody stay here. One. Go find me a charging cord that works, please, because... Yep, it's my life. Anyway, so while Brooke is looking for a charging cord, I found some amazing articles for tonight. What? Okay, so I'm going to start with this first one because it was so ridiculous. Hold on. Nope, nope, nope. All right, here we go. I do have 15 amazing facts that you should know going into Cinco de Mayo, which is Friday. And I hope you have great plans for Friday and you're gonna do something fun, it's gonna be really exciting. Um, but in the interim, there was another article. I do, did you turn it off? Um, okay, not helpful. Um, but before we get to facts that you should know about Cinco de Mayo, thank you. Why is it so dark? What do you mean? Dark? We'll turn that back on a little bit. It's just so scary. It's not scary. It's just... It's, it's... Okay. Okay, that's better. I don't know what's happening. All right, everybody stay right here. Okay. Now we're good. Sorry about that. Technical issues. Okay. Articles for tonight? Yeah, Bob. And you're going to love them. Are you ready? I got the Romberg today. Oh, good. Good for you. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? This should be interesting. Here is... The title of the article. If you have children in the room, you should ask them to leave. What do you mean? Nothing? I'm stealing from your clock. Please stop stealing my clock. It's a clock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Here it says, a woman's orgasm, or was it? Stole the show at the L.A. Philharmonic. What? Exactly. I didn't even read it. Okay, listen. If you're just joining us, this is not a real show. These are not real facts. You should take this whole show with a grain of salt. However, the title of the article I just wrote is real. Read is real. A woman's orgasm? Or was it that stole the show at the L.A. Philharmonic? Brooke, I don't know if they teach this to you in your music school where you are playing the violin and will one day be in a philharmonic. But crazy people out there. Let me read this to you. Magnus Fines, a composer and the brother of actor Ralph Fines. Who does not love Ralph Fines? What's the movie that Ralph Fines was in? With that lady and it had something to do with a plane. What am I talking about? And it was the hottest movie ever. What movie am I talking about? It's a trivia game. 
except I don't know the answer. So I'm really relying on you to come through. Thank you for my stars. Um, hey, Joe. It's not a margarita. I'm just having bourbon. Barb, thanks for my stars. Um, Ralph Fiennes was in it, and I can see the actress. And she was full nude. And it was like a bit in a tub, but it was the sexiest movie ever. What movie am I talking about? If you say it, I'll remember. It was plain. These are not helpful facts. And if anybody is actually able to figure out what movie I'm talking about based on the worst, these are, these are not even, is it The English Patient? Is that what it was? It's the hottest movie ever. Judy was like, girl, I know which one you're talking about. Oh, it's so, yeah, that's it. Now everybody agrees, it's the English. If you've not watched, we, we took a left turn because I didn't realize that Magnus Fiennes was the brother of actor Ralph Fiennes in the hottest movie ever called The English Patient. If you missed it, you need to go back and you need to watch it. Okay, here we go. Moving on. He attended the concert and tweeted about the full body orgasm. Now, I'm not making this up. It sounds like I'm making it up, but I am not. Let us keep reading. The Los Angeles Philharmonic was in the middle of Tchaikovsky's Symphony No. 5 on Friday when attendees at the Walt Disney Concert Hall heard a moan from the audience that was widely described as a woman having an orgasm. Though there is some debate about what people heard. Now listen, I have not been to the Philharmonic in a while, or ever, forever. I'm just saying that Raf finds whatever, such a good movie. Ladies, do yourself a favor and watch the English basin. <laughs> just, that is a side note. Yeah, I don't know how you pronounce it either way. Full body, jealous. Hashtag jealous. Okay, here we go. Uh, music producer and composer Magnus Fines witnessed the bizarre event. Went to see the Philharmonic and Tchaikovsky's last, Tchaikovsky's fifth last night. A woman in the audience had a loud and full body orgasm during the fifth's second movement. What? Band politely carried on. Props to the L.A. Philharmonic for bringing it on. I go, listen, I'm just going to, let me just say this now. If it gets out, mm-hmm, if it gets out, that going to any Philharmonic causes a full body orgasm, I'm just letting you know I'm going to get season tickets. I'm just saying I love classical music, and I am a fan. I just explained what those pedals do. So, I should go, as should you. Another Twitter user, who was also in attendance, claimed, this is not what happened, and that the poor woman had a breakdown of some sort to have more respect. Oh. Was in close proximity and had no less than eight other friends coincidentally attending all that reached similar conclusions. She remained for the rest of the show. Her demeanor was in evidence. My 
collaborative take is merely an observation. Respect, maintain. I don't even know what that even means. I don't even know what that person tweeted. A native Brit who has worked with talents like Shakira, Tom Jones, and Lady Kravitz wasn't the only one to reach this conclusion. Molly Grant, who said she sat near the woman, echoed the, his sentiments while speaking to the Los Angeles Times on Sunday. Everyone kind of turned to see what was happening. I saw the girl after it happened, and I assumed that she had an orgasm because she was heavily breathing. And her partner was smiling and looking at her in an effort to not shame her. It was quite beautiful. <laughs> okay. Who would like the next trip for One Funny Mother to be to the LA Philharmonic? And that is the long introduction about our next trip. I'm just saying, listen, let's all just state the obvious. I don't know that many young people are running to buy tickets to the Philharmonic. And I'm just saying that perhaps they take this story and run with it. And somehow Tchaikovsky's number five, second movement, is just something that all of us should see, is all I'm saying. I'm about culture, you guys. This show screams culture. And I think it's obvious by this particular article. While journalist Jocelyn Silver tweeted that her friends heard the screaming orgasm and that it stopped the whole orchestra in its tracks, classical pianist Sharon Sue tweeted that someone who works in the Philharmonic confirmed that the orchestra did not stop playing. Listen, you know how they say... That like when the Titanic went down, that band did not stop playing. And we revere them. We should know their names. They gave their lives and, and in service to beautiful music. And there's something similar happening right now in the LA Philharmonic. And I think we have to give props to the orchestra. We have to give props to Tchaikovsky and that lady. Sure, culture, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some were unconvinced that it was an orgasm, however, and urged Fine to consider that the woman was asleep and suddenly awoke from a nightmare. Okay, okay. I clearly didn't read this article before. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something right now. I have woken up from a nightmare, and it has never sounded like a full body orgasm. <laughs> okay. Okay. Before letting out her moan. Fines accepted that the story is plausible. Now let me ask you to people that are watching this show right now. Um, how many of you have had a nightmare and woke up? Yeah, the show must go on. What? Oh, there's something going on. How many people have woken up from a nightmare and have a loved one look at you and say, you know, it sounded that like you had a full body orgasm. Nobody. I don't know. I don't know if the band really played on the Titanic. Nobody knows. But I'd like to believe that like the Philharmonic, they were doing their duty and they carried on. 
Pretty quickly, she sort of fell into her partner's shoulders and then onto his lap. Of course she did. And then her body went limp. Maybe like five seconds later, she kind of awoke. And that's when she let out a scream. Okay. I feel like there's a lot of people that don't know how this works. Uh, I feel like you can take that whole last bit that I just read to you and put it into a dirty novel and it means something very different than somebody at the LA Philharmonic. I'm just saying. I don't, I don't want to have to write all of this down. I don't want to have to lay it out or unpack it for everybody in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll watch what she's watching. Listen, do you know how many people are going to sign up for season tickets to the LA Philharmonic? I'm going to be honest, a lot. A lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how many other people were having a full body orgasm? I'm going to guess none. Yeah. So that's it. So it's up to you what you want to do with this groundbreaking story. If you would like to buy season tickets to the Philharmonic or you would like to listen to Tchaikovsky's Fifth. One of those two things, or both together, lead to one fantastic nightmare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> exactly. So uh, that's for all of you to just take in. Uh, but that happened. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I don't know what they're all talking about, but it was a lot. Ex Robin, something was so funny. Robin just said she wasn't wearing any underwear. Funny you should mention that. Because my next article. Okay. Should you sleep in underwear or go commando? I hope there's no children watching this show. Listen, only once a week can we just, just talk about it. Many of you know that my mom had decided to tell the internet that she doesn't sleep with underwears on. And um, apparently this article came out. Should you sleep in underwear or go commando? Doctors have thoughts. Now, I don't know if anybody wants to out themselves as people who don't wear underwears at night. Um, but you got to do you. Okay, so let's just say that. <laughs> Music touches your, now it used to be soul, but recently in Los Angeles, turns out it touches something else. Stop it. Here we go. Growing up, maybe you were told that you're supposed to sleep sans underwear to let your nether regions air out overnight. Or perhaps you've just been a fan of going to bed commando. There is no right answer when it comes to your health, but does it differ by sex? We talked to doctors to find out. First, know that underwear versus no underwear debate is not one that's backed up by much research. This is basically two people in a basement that wrote this article. Keep it in mind. The topic of going commando in the sheets is not routinely discussed in academic conferences, which basically is our show, an academic conference. 
Uh, and a literature review will not turn up any studies on the topic, but we will cover it on Tipsy Tuesday. It comes to personal choice. There's no right or wrong answer when you decide to sleep with or without underwear. And while there's no scholarly consensus on the matter, there are some facts to take into account when deciding what's right for you. We talked to a handful of experts to get their take. Here we go. Uh-huh. Real classy, Sharon. Real classy. Mm-hmm. Easy breezy. You may want to wear underwear to bed if. I don't know. I'm going to apologize now for the rest of the show. There's not a lot of time for I'll say your children should leave the room. Um, but I'm pretty sure this whole show, your children. What if there's a fire in the house? I don't. Does that happen a lot? What if a spider was loose? <laughs> there's a lot of questions coming up. Um, hold on. When I was a kid, I had a friend that was never allowed to wear underwear to bed. Ask me why I remember this when I can't remember what day it is. Exactly. My 10-year-old sitting next to me. 10-year-old, look at my eyes. Listen to me. Go to bed. Do yourself a favor. I don't know what your name is, and I'll only refer to you as 10-year-old. If, if you're 10, then I'm talking to you. Okay? I don't need to know your name. But this is mommy's time. And I need you to go in your room, get a nice book about birds. Do you have a book about birds? Go find one or write one. Just get out of here. Okay, I'm your mom's friend from out of town, and I enjoy a nice bourbon, and you're too young to know what that is, okay? And at some point, your mom will tell you what bourbon is, but for tonight, I want you to go on a scavenger hunt in your room by yourself and leave your mom alone. She's had a hard day. Look at your mom. Does she look good? Chances are no. Okay, really look at her in the eyes. Does she look happy? Make a sad face. Leave her alone. Okay, 10-year-old. All right, I hope you had a great day. You did a great job today. Get away from your mother. Okay, <laughs> yeah, just get away. Here we go, moving on. You've been warned, 10-year-old. You may want to wear underwear to bed if. Oh my gosh, the dog just farted and I'm gonna die. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm not going to read the first reason because it's, if you have someone that has a lot of, no, 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 I can't read any of these. Support, what's supportive underwear? Oh, I, I wish you guys could see this article. What, what is supportive underwear? It's literally highlighted. Am I supposed to be wearing supportive underwear? I gotta click it. I don't, I'm done with this article. Oh, it's for the men. Oh, that's good. Okay, that makes a lot more. I didn't know what we were supporting. I didn't know. Yeah, really 13 and under. Really 16 and under. Really, most people under 21 shouldn't be here. It's only seven o'clock and I'm on the porch. Tell your kids to go to bed. Be like, guys, it's daylight savings. They're like, it is? Mm-hmm. It's except for, instead of one hour, it's three. 
seven o'clock, but it's really 10. And they're like, that's so weird. I don't ever remember daylight savings time being three hours. It is now, just on Tuesdays. What? So weird. What a, what a weird day. Let's go back. I, okay, something, no, I'm not even gonna say that word. Specifically the test, okay. No, I'm not gonna read this here. I mean, drag clothes are pretty, you can wash the less frequently. Sleeping in underwear, I can read this sentence. Sleeping underwear can also protect your urethra. No, can't read it. No, no, this is not a good article. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bob was like, I don't even think I should be here. <laughs> this show took a deep turn. Irritation to the urethra. Okay, this, this whole article uses the word urethra a lot, and I don't know. Uh, if this is a good idea. So far hasn't come out of his room. Then he's 20, so yeah. Okay, something, okay. Not every pair of underwear in your drawer is well suited for sleep though. It has to be breathable. Cotton and bamboo are good choices. Who got bamboo underwear? Who's walking around this earth right now? Listen, I'm gonna give this a second because I don't know who my audience is. I'm going to ask you right now, which one of you ladies got bamboo underwears? I have, I have never known anybody that had bamboo underwear. And if you're one of those people, I would like to know, you have got to be the fanciest person on the planet. Yeah, bamboo underwears. No. But yeah, bamboo. Let me tell you something about bamboo. Now, many moons ago, listen, I'm going to be one of those old people's got a story about everything. You say bamboo, got a story. So I used to be the towel lady at QVC. Learned a lot about towels and the loops and the things and the things. Then came along the bamboo. Okay. Who's sleeping in a thong? Mm-hmm. Yep. Carmen. There are ladies doing it. The bamboo is even softer and more absorbent. Yeah, you get bamboo sheets. No, 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 don't, don't, don't be fooled. Bamboo sheets or towels are the soft, it's the softest thing in the world. And now I guess they make an underwears. I don't know anybody. I know, I, I could imagine that some people are, maybe have like sheets. Yeah, Alice LaFive's got them. But I never heard of anybody having bamboo underwears. Uh-huh. Bamboo also makes good flooring. Oddly enough, just as comfy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Janice, it's very bougie to have bamboo. This is the first time I heard of bamboo underwears. I know. That's what I mean. Yeah. QVC. Exactly. Bamboo sheets. Baby blankets. A bit. They're so soft. Get bamboo mattress covers and pillows, but not underwears. That's what I'm saying. So apparently if you're going to sleep with underwear, get yourself some bamboo. For sleep, Ross recommends full body coverage over thongs because the thongs anatomically unfriendly design, you think, you think makes it easy for harmful bacteria to talk. Wear loose fitting boxers. 
Researchers looked at men's general underwear wearing habits, not specifically at overnight garments, and they suggested choice of under makes no appreciable difference for fertility. Oh, that was random. Random fun fact. If you're going to sleep in your underwear, make sure it's clean. Did that need to be said? I mean, if you're wearing it, <laughs> I don't care what time of day it is. Make sure they're clean. Okay? A lot of underwears talk. We do talk about underwear a lot. You may want to sleep commando if you sweat a lot in certain areas. And that's all I have to say about it. No? Okay. Okay, wash your pajamas. Yeah, I'm not going to read this article. And you're welcome. I, I did that for you. Mm-hmm. All of that said, what you wear to bed or don't ultimately comes down to what you feels good to you and helps you have a good night's sleep. If you're not... If what you're doing currently is not working for you, there's no, is working for you, there's no need to make a change. But if it's not working, it can't hurt to switch things up. Okay, so here's what I hear. Okay. Um, if getting a good night's sleep is difficult for you, it said maybe switch things up. Here's what I'm going to say. Um, if you're having a hard time sleeping... You might want to just maybe rethink the mattress or the pillows first. I don't know that your underwear, <laughs> your underwears are the thing that's going to make a discernible change for you. Like I have never, I can't, now you know I don't have a real job, but I can't imagine that anyone has gone to work and be like, girl, you know how I've been having problems sleeping? And they're like, yeah, girl, I went from a thong. Just commando. And I am sleeping so much better. I've never heard that. I've heard people come to work. I changed my pillow and changed my life. Or hey, I just got a new mattress. But I have never in my whole life heard anybody said, girl, I got this new bamboo underwear. Sleeping like a baby. <laughs> write these articles. This show is all over the place. Yeah. Diane is ahead of her time. Who knew? She's a way shower. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could take a muscle relaxer to sleep or apparently change your underwear. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. It's something. It's something. So... I'm not going to read this title. What? I didn't see this article, but it... <laughs> you guys, it's a dirty... It's really dirty, and I don't know if I should say it out loud. Oh. What? 
No. Okay. What? You guys. By the way, I'm supposed to tell you. Let me get serious. It's my serious face. Um, tomorrow, the next newsletter is going out. And if you have not signed up for the newsletter, now is the time. Make sure you go to onefunnymother.com and <coughs> there's a little thing that'll pop up and it'll say, hey, you want the newsletter? And then you'd say yes. And it comes out tomorrow. <coughs> or Thursday if I'm lazy. But it's coming out soon. So make sure if you have not signed up for the newsletter that you sign up. Okay, I'm going to read it. I'm going to code it because there might be kids in your room because none of y'all listen. It says, yes, um, I'm going to use the word carrot for a different word. We can look it up. Yeah. Go to onefunnymother.com and sign up for the newsletter. Good. I'm going to use the word carrot for a different word, and then you would replace the word with the word, you would replace the word anytime I say carrot. Okay, I'm giving you my best face. So the title of the article is, yes, carrot dysmorphia is a real thing. Carrot body dysmorphia goes beyond wishing that you had a bigger carrot. Men say it affects many parts of their lives. Yes, it could be an eggplant, but we're going a different vegetable. Stephen, who's 31 years old from Los Angeles, has a perfectly normal sized carrot. In fact, in recent studies, maybe you kids don't know that, but they measure the carrots and the average size carrot, which might surprise people, is 5.16 inches. And that we want to make sure that the carrots are continuously getting bigger. Some people think that they're fine the size that they are, but other people think we could do better. Okay, um, so Stephen had a carrot garden. Not really, just uh, the garden had one carrot. That seems, kids, if you're listening, that seems silly to have one carrot in your garden, but... That, that was all the garden could handle. So when Stephen, when he was younger and he saw the carrot growing in the garden, he thought it was an average sized carrot. And anyone that said otherwise, like if somebody saw the carrot uh, in the garden uh, and they said it was a fine size, he felt that they were being manipulative. <laughs> Stephen asked to only be identified by his first name for obvious reasons. Growing carrots can just be a really um, <laughs> a 
just intense. <clears throat> he felt very confident in the other vegetables in the garden. Uh, he went to the gym regularly, which everybody knows you have to do to just be able to work in the garden. And he was told he was a good looking fella to be gardening. Uh, but by internet standards, it just turns out that his carrot was smaller than the carrots that you see on the internet. I mean, you guys read the internet. People like to brag. Oh, I got the biggest car. I got the biggest house. You know, like MTV Cribs. But in the garden. And so he knew... <laughs> Jessica, that, um, okay, let's get to the article. Mentally, this took a major toll on his personal life. As many people know, having a successful garden says something about, you might say. It's easy to get a false impression that a lady who saw your garden and who might tell stories about visiting your garden. Okay, this is hard to translate. Let's just go to the next paragraph. So Stephen eventually goes to see some experts about his garden because at some point every farmer has to find somebody else that knows more about gardening and that expert said you have carrot dysmorphia also known as carrot body dysmorphic disorder which is cdd this is hard this is not something that's found as a sad garden it okay and carrot dysmorphia is more uh, is about more than just wanting bigger carrots okay it can cause real distress men who suffer with carrot dysmorphia may compulsively measure their carrots which is that's not going to make anything change. They might avoid gardening. They might try to seek out things that would help the carrot grow. Or think of other more serious surgical options for making the carrot bigger. And it turns out that carrot dysmorphia can affect people of any carrot size. Mm -hmm. Okay, the good news. Let's get to the good news. A, a recent study of American farmers 
found that 85% of farmers reported being more or less satisfied with their garden. And there's a lot to just kind of go through. Mm -hmm. In the book, The Carrot Book, A Doctor's Complete Guide to the Carrot, there's a urologist that said roughly 40% of men who come to the office are seeking carrot enlargement surgery. 40% feels like a big number. And they were watching, they got the idea that they were not happy with their carrot size because they were watching other carrot shows on not basic cable. Okay. Um, okay. This just, I did not expect this. Oh, oh. This is a very long article. I gotta give it to the writers of this took this article real serious. Let me just scroll through these seven pages. Okay, at the bottom. Okay. Mm hmm. I. Yeah, I'm just like a carrot. That broke my dad, my mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, there's a lot. Did Bob leave? Is Bob still here? This whole show went sideways. I'm not going to read the rest of this article. It was unplanned. And I just can't say carrot anymore. So, I feel like if nothing else, yeah, so many left turns now. We're right, we're at the top of show and we should start all over again. If you make three left turns, you just went straight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of ladies doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, corn farmers unite. Mm-hmm. My husband just spit out straight. I don't even know what to say, Lonnie. I don't even know what to say. There's just a lot. Mm-hmm. From the lady at the L.A. Philharmonic. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. So there you go. There you have it. Bob is here. I'm sorry, Bob. I'm still here, but I'm stunned. Do you have carrot? No. Mm-hmm. Forget sideways. Full diagonal. I told you. Tell your children to get it. Yeah. Yep. A lot. It's, it's like... Yeah, no. Mm -mm. That's not happening. Mm -hmm. All right, well, listen, everybody. Um, we had quite a night. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. I did. Somebody's talking about the IEP video. So, so crazy. Um, it's very funny to me. Sometimes I forget how many videos we've made. 
And I'm only reminded of certain ones when they pop up in my feed. And tonight, out of the blue, um, I was working on some things on the computer and the IEP video popped up. And it's funny because sometimes videos will pop up from years ago, 10 years ago, 13 years ago. I've been making videos a long time. And uh, it's nice to see them, and I, especially with the kids in them, and they just are so tiny, and it's nice to have those videos pop up. And tonight, uh, the video came up of um, my breakdown at a CVS uh, after a particularly bad IEP meeting for Brooke. And uh, it was probably one of the only times that I had no plan before turning the camera on. It just was kind of this, um, this very raw moment. And, um, and I looked at the date that it was, that it was published and it, it was published on April 16 of 2018. And it's almost, almost a year ago, right? Minus two weeks. And, um, I just kind of thought to myself, uh, an IEP video, Mooney, it was a video that I had posted in 2018. So Brooke was going into high school. She was in eighth grade. And um, I cried almost after every IEP meeting. But this particular one was so upsetting. I literally couldn't make it home. So I just pulled into a CVS parking lot. And... Uh, started talking about my experience with Brooke and the school system and learning about myself and whatever. And, and it's, it's so hard for me to watch it. There's certain videos that we've done that are hard for me to watch because they just were really hard times in my life. Uh, that was one of them. And then recently the divorce, um, but at least I had an idea of what I was going to say in the divorce video. I mean, I kind of took the time to try to write some things down. But in the IEP meeting, there was no plan whatsoever. I just went live. And I just remember, yeah, tonight, um, I just looked at the date. And I remember thinking, like, that meeting that we went to was what they call the end of the year meeting. And so if your child has an IEP, which is individual educational program, or I don't know what the word is. Um, it means that your kids learns a little different and thinks a little different and needs to be taught a little different. And they're supposed to be individualized. That's what the I stands for. But uh, after a while, they all seem less individual and seem to be like, we don't really know what to do, so we're going to do this. And uh, this is around the time, April, May, is when people have their exit interviews and meetings for IEPs. And I remember during this meeting, they will tell you, here's the progress that we've made in the last year. And after every IEP meeting, I don't know that we were making much progress year over year. And so that was frustrating, but she was moving into high school and we had no plan. And so I was spending some time tonight watching that video 
and really trying hard not to turn it off because it feels like yesterday and it just punches me in the stomach because I just feel every word that I'm saying at that moment and it's just, I just, I just get transported right to there. And so I'm watching it tonight and I just remember thinking, oh, I hate April, May, because that's when all these meetings happen. So I reposted it tonight and I reposted it with a story about what I did today, which is go pick up Jacqueline and Philly, then drive to Rowan so Jacqueline and I could listen through the door, uh, there's a little crack in the door so you could kind of hear a little bit more of Brooke's jewelry, uh, which is her final for her violin if you're just joining us. And it just, it was amazing. All of it was amazing. It was amazing that she could perform these beautiful pieces uh, because they were just so beautiful. It was amazing that she finished her freshman year. It was amazing that she finished her freshman year without coming home every single weekend. It was amazing that she's excited about what she's learned and what next year will in, involve with roommates and, you know, on-campus apartments and, you know, conversations that I didn't think we'd ever have when we posted that video at CVS. And so it's just crazy to me to be at that place where you're just so overwhelmed and you just don't see a future and you worry if your kid's going to be fine and like how much of I, how many of us have, have had to watch our kids to go through things and wonder if they'll make it through and they're going to be okay, and they're going to find a great partner and live a beautiful life and have a beautiful family. And so to be just five years beyond that and to just watch her be so great tonight. Like I just, I just remember that time and I just remember any time that somebody would tell me, hey, my kid is just like yours. And, you know, they just graduated college and they're doing so well. And you're just like, you just needed to hear that because when it's happening, it's just like, you just can't see a positive future in it. And so I reposted it tonight. Um, yeah, just to, yeah, you're not alone that, you know, there's so many people that go through it and. I just always hated that people like made it a secret and made IEP meetings a secret and everything was hush hush and my kid is different and I don't want people to know. And I just, I feel like I was yelling it from the windows. I was like, she crazy. I don't even understand. We are not even speaking the same language, but uh, we just celebrated it and we talked about it. Because I was like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just different. And you're going to do something that's completely different than everybody else. Because you just, how you get places. I don't understand it. But I know that you understand the way you understand. And I just got to get people to be able to teach you that way. Until you can get to a point where you're in college. And you can say, okay, I get it now. And this is what I need for you. Right? It's just... Lots of conversations about how people learn. Lots of conversations about 
you know, even within your own families, you know, not treating all your kids the same because they're not, they're different people. And you just, you know, I had Dean, typical learner, Jacqueline, typical learner, Brooke, learner. I don't even, I don't barely learner. And I was like, I don't know what to do with you. Um, so it's just all so different. I know. And it's the greatest thing and I love it. And she is a brain I still don't understand, but it's so beautiful. And so, um, yeah. So if you get a chance, you know, try to watch it, share it with somebody that you know that might be going through some things. Um, because yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. You just gotta, well, you guys had an IEP and he's going for his PhD right now. And, and those stories are just so important to tell because we're all kind of told if your kid doesn't learn this way and take this test and pass the test and move to the next one, move to the next grade and get this honor and get into this honor school and get into the honor college and da, da, da. like if you don't follow that path and you're, you don't have a bright future. And I just thought I have so many different learners and I'm so proud of each of them for what they do, but they don't, they'll never do the same thing. They'll never excel the same way. And, you know, just trying to teach your kids like what everybody else is doing is their journey. Your journey is different. And so, yeah, if you get a chance, check out that video or share it or share it with somebody that needs to hear it. You can watch it, Kate. It's on the feed. It'll probably be right below this video. Um, but yeah, that was pretty great. So yeah. Yeah. My son is 21 and now leaving school. So this is very scary. Yeah. And that's a whole other path, a whole other journey that so many parents are on and you're doing a great job. Yeah. So anyway, listen, I don't know if anyone has whiplash, but this show, <laughs> please don't try to explain this to your coworkers tomorrow. Please do not tell people about this show. I don't even know how you'd be like, guys, I was up last night laughing. This is watching this comedian who was talking about orgasms and then she somehow shifted into the LA Philharmonic and Tchaikovsky and then told us what the pedals on the piano do and then somehow was able to weave that into sleeping with your underwear and then carrot dysmorphia and a lot about gardening and then ended on a beautiful note about loving your kids for who they are and why IP meetings are stupid. And it was the greatest show ever. And she was drunk in front of a fireplace. And it wasn't even hot enough to be using a fire. <laughs> so keep that in mind as you unpack this show tomorrow. I don't know what you'll tell your friends, but I'm sure it'll be entertaining. So thanks for watching. Let me look. Let me see if I have. Oh, I have. Oh, you know what? We never actually got to the fun facts about Cinco de Mayo, which would have been 10 times more appropriate than what we actually covered tonight. You're welcome. Um, so, tomorrow, stay tuned for a crazy show while we find out about Cinco de Mayo, which I'm going to be honest, sounds quite boring compared to what we.
<laughs> what we covered tonight. <laughs> oh, you guys, this show is dumb. Um, hey, Kimberly from Florida. Thanks for watching. So, show's over. Um, thanks for watching, everybody. And I look forward to chatting with you in the morning. And, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Orgasm, music, carrots, kids. Boom. Welcome to Tipsy Cheese. All right. Have a good night, everybody. I will see you tomorrow morning. Thanks for watching.